0: Black History Through Poetry from 3.30 to 5 o'clock p.m. Saturday,
1: February 24th at 3660 Alabama Avenue, Southeast Washington, D.C. as they present African Americans and the Arts. Collective voices whose members are Lady Di, Sister Joy, Bernardo, and Billy O'Cara
0: are known for their messages of social consciousness, inspiration, and empowerment. In addition to their original poetry, the celebration will also feature an exhibit by Washington-area visual artist Jason Keene and conclude with a book signing. This event is free and open to all ages. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. First man to die for the now Was a black
2: man Another man done gone. Another man done gone from the County some Another man done gone. Huh? I do not know like What? what? I'm just going to walk like the street. Oh, no. what I okay, do? Turn around, turn around. Put your hands behind your back. Let's go, let's oh, go. The no, jury of no. your peers having found you guilty. Ten years. What? Come on, come on. Get that, up on. I was in jail too, man. It's cold-blooded in the jail. You go down there looking for justice, that's what you find, just us.
0: Welcome to another edition of Crossroads Today. Now here's your host, Roach Brown.
2: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Crossroads. We come to you every Tuesday at the same time here on WPFW. 89.3 FM, your station for jazz and justice. WPFW is heard around the world, and we have a global audience listening to some of the topics we'll be discussing Crossroads is designed to address the needs and issues and concerns of the men and women dealing with the criminal justice system. Uh, As usual, we open up our show with what we call the Grapevine, information that you can use, the Grapevine. Hey hey, hey. <clears throat> excuse me new legislation would end ticket doubling in DC Treyon White introduced legislation aimed at changing the way the district ticket drivers a DC council member just in- introduced three pieces of legislation aimed at changing the way the district ticket drivers council member Treyon White announced the legislation at a press conference last week The trio of bills would eliminate the current doubling of fines for failing to pay parking and traffic tickets within 30 days and allow vehicle registration despite unpaid parking debt and create a ticket amnesty program to allow previous tickets doubling to be waived to allow D.C. residents an opportunity to satisfy ticket debts. D.C. Council appoints formerly incarcerated man to the Sentencing Commission. The DC Council voted last week to appoint Joel Caston to the district's Sentencing Commission. According to the agency's website, the Sentencing Commission advises the council on issues that promote fair and consistent sentencing policies. Caston was appointed to be one of its 17 members. In 2021, Caston became the first person elected to office in DC While incarcerated, winning a seat on his advisory neighborhood commission, he is again making history by becoming the first formerly incarcerated person to serve on the citizen Commission, according to the Washington Post. Muslim jailhouse lawyers are reshaping the fight for prisoners' rights. Incarcerated Muslims are building on a legacy of community resistance that goes way beyond our current moment. The Muslim community is most tenacious when it comes to bringing lawsuits. The overall majority of lawsuits that I've heard of that has been brought and one has been specifically by the Muslim community. One of the reasons why I think this is, is the case because we have the will to go against in- injustice and do our best to combat it. There are challenges to filing the lawsuit when you're in prison. For starters, gathering information for your case can be next to impossible. Access to law libraries varies from prison to prison. Some prisons make it easier for incarcerated people to access law texts, and others eliminate the law library entirely. An incarcerated Muslim who's a member of the Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the the largest prison-led organization fighting for incarcerated people's human rights, mentioned that a previous prison he was in closed down their law library and instead used computers or tablets which had limited search capabilities. In today's prisons, we are hearing of traditional libraries being shut down in a lot of places. It is my opinion that the presence of traditional law libraries is crucial for prisoners to conduct legal research. Incarcerated people filing lawsuits also face dangerous retaliation from prison officials. Mohammed said those who filed lawsuits had subsequently Face threats, beatings, setups, and transfers to other prisons and other forms of harassment. And here is some jiggy boogie that we're about to share. A father sues Ronald McDonald House alleging housing policy disproportionately harms people of color. The lawsuit argues that Ronald McDonald House criminal conviction ban violates state and federal discriminato- discrimination laws. Plaintiff Juan Melees was denied housing near the hospital where his son was being treated for cancer. Across the country, Ronald McDonald houses provides housing for families close to the hospitals where their children are receiving care for life-threatening conditions. But when Mr. Melees and his family needed his housing, Ronald McDonald turned him away. Why? Because he had a criminal record. And because he had a criminal record, he had to drive Uh, He couldn't stay in a hotel close to the hospital that his kid was getting uh, intensive therapy and treatment for a a, a serious cancer issue. This gentleman has been driving back and forth, taking his wife to work in the school because of this ban that Ronald McDonald has implemented nationally. That if you have a criminal record, you cannot stay on on the premises or, or in a hotel provided by Ronald McDonald because you have a criminal conviction years ago, even though your kid is dying. So this is something that needs to be dealt with, looked at, and this was what we call juggy Boogie. This is some more juggy Boogie, where you deny a man the right to be with his son while he's getting cancer treatment because he had an arrest five, 10, 15 years ago. Boy, if this ain't some juggy Boogie, I eat my hat. And that's been what we call the grapevine, information that you can use. Now we get to our guest and our story. And first of all, we have our distinguished co host back with us, Nikichi Taifa. She's been uh, in Brazil, her and her daughter, on a beautiful vacation trip. Good morning, Nikichi Taifa.
1: Good morning, Rocha Martin. How are you? And I am glad to be back. <laughs> and I was glad, glad to, to be you. gone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we're glad to have you back, uh, Nikichi. <laughs> Yeah. We're waiting on that guest to get online. Uh, I'll I think she's just... on the phone. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good morning. Are, are you there, Lisa Coin?
1: Okay. Oh, waiting on that guest, phone. Lisa
2: Coin. So while well, well, she's being connected, Nikichi how was your trip down in uh, Brazil, lady? Because we missed you, Nikichi
1: <laughs> Oh, it was phenomenal. Well needed um, vacation. Uh, they are pre Carnival, but let me tell you. Pre-Carnival was just like carnival. I mean, people were just packed all in the streets. The music was <laughs> playing and blaring. And then I saw some videos from Carnival. Oh my God. That, that that's a little bit too much for me. Maybe I'm yeah. just getting old. I don't know. But, <laughs> but it was it was great. It was a great trip. Yeah.
2: How long were you there?
1: Um, about a week and a half.
2: Oh wow, wow! You, you should have got Well, you got your passport. I mean, you could have been a a citizen in a week and a half in in Brazil. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, but guess, it was beautiful seeing all those beautiful black folk. I mean, uh, there are more black folk in Brazil than anywhere in the world except for um Nigeria. I think. It's
2: I heard black that black had Brazil had, had a, a large black, black African yeah. population. Yes. Yes. Oh wow! We're waiting on our guest. Uh, our guest this morning is Miss Lisa P. Coyne. She's the author of a book called "Being Too Fierce." The topic is one woman's incredible journey from foster care to world championship boxer and author, and the president of the uh, D.C. chapter of the Rotary Club. And her story is phenomenal what she's been through and what she's able to accomplish and still here. And the, the irony of it is she looked like a movie star, a model. She doesn't look like a boxer. And she won the welterweight title, championship, worldwide title. And this lady, when she walks in the room, you think you're looking at one of the Ebony Fashion Fair models. So we want to have, we're waiting for her to get hooked up on Zoom. Uh, uh, I'm on here. Can you hear me? Good morning. Good morning.
0: Good morning. I'm here. <laughs> Good morning. Um, morning. For some reason, the Zoom isn't isn't working out, but I'm on the phone. Well, so thank you, thank you for
2: I being like on the phone.
0: Indeed, I just indeed. want to
2: say that uh, Lisa Corn was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and placed along with her four <laughs> older brothers in the now defunct Junior <laughs> Field Village, which was then an orphanage, followed by a slew of often traumatic foster care placements. Uh, This is a raw story of the agonizing childhood of a woman who, along with her four older brothers, began life rejected and institutionalized by a troubled birth mother and was repeatedly left clinging to a few belongings, stuffed in a garbage bag, standing at the front door of yet another foster family whose qualifications to love and nurture her range wildly from promising to dismal. Good morning, good morning, Lisa P. Corn. How are you doing, lady? Good morning, Mr. Brown. I am doing
0: great, and thank you for having me on your show. This is an esteemed pleasure. I, I'm serious. I admire you so much and your well, wife.
2: Well, thank you, Bill. Before we start off, we, we ran into Lisa oh. last week uh, at the Rotary Club, and he invited us to give a speech. And I wasn't that familiar with the work of the Rotary Club, but I know they've been around for a while and they've been doing a lot of humanitarian things. And when I came in to give a speech, my wife and I, I saw the thing said the president, and you were the president of the Rotary Club, the DC chapter of the Rotary Club, and it blew me away, Lisa. Explain <laughs> what the Rotary Club is all about for our listening audience, please. What is the Rotary Club? Uh,
0: the Rotary Club is a philanthropy organization that was. Um, Created over Like 105 years ago By a gentleman by the name Of Paul Harris And the Rotary Club was founded By businessmen It was uh, started as kind of a networking Group and um, You know at the time You know the scenery of the uh, World at the time You know all White men, businessmen And uh, they wanted to they had a cause, Now, the cause was to eradicate polio. Polio was run, running rampant at the time, and yes. their their mission was to eradicate it globally. And uh, what happened was they did it. They, you know, once the uh, vaccinations were discovered and everything, you know, they were able to eradicate polio. Mm-hmm. And, okay. the, and, and, and the club went on to adopt more and more community-based um, causes. And here we are. Um, Rotary Club allowed women to join back in ni- about, well, 1987. There was a law that was passed, but the Rotary Club adapted members in 1989, women members. So I am the second black woman to be the Rotary Club president
2: oh beautiful beautiful and this is black history month ladies so we we, we're right in time in step aren't we yes yes but 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 i have to also say
0: this about you mr brown when you came to our club first of all you bought an energy that well we knew you'd bring mr um barnes kenny barnes kenny barnes invited you and he said you know Roach Brown has to come speak. And I met you years ago when I was in a boxing gym up there, Sugar Ray Leonard's. And I know you don't remember me because I was about 110 (laughs) 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 I was about 119, but I was probably about 115 pounds at the time. And I was very, very much younger. But um, it was an esteemed pleasure, and it was great to hear you speak. You just carried. It was wonderful. You left so much inspiration in that room.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And they surprised us with uh, that announcement about a tree. What is that tree thing about, uh, so Oh, so every, every, for, for all of
0: our speakers, we plant a tree in your honor. And so down on the Tidal Basin, you know, in, in D.C., where the cherry blossoms are, you will have a tree. And we give you the coordinates of your tree, um, and that's that uh, little leaflet that we left in there with the certificate, your tree certificate. Uh-huh and uh you can actually locate your tree by the coordinates on that page and uh go visit your tree but but even moreover we have a tree planting so we'll actually have a tree planting and when we have that tree planting you can you will be invited
2: you know i had some concerns when they said they're going to plant a tree because you know our history with trees don't go back it's not a pleasant experience (laughs) You know okay.
1: what I mean? Oh, well, she was sorry. <laughs> you
2: yes. I mean, I said they're planting a tree for me. and said, oh, my goodness, what they are to? <laughs> I
1: wasn't was ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a tree of praise in your honor, and I am so very impressed and thrilled that you were uh, granted an honor such as uh, that because you are definitely owed that based on your decades upon decades upon decades of service. Uh, to yeah. the Washington, D.C. and uh, national communities. Watch well, Brown.
2: You know, uh, Lisa, Kenny Bonds, who is a phenomenal guy. I mean, I take my hat off to Kenny. He he lost his sight. And this guy is still working in the community without his sight. And every time I turn around, there's Kenny Bonds here. There's Kenny Bonds there. I never met a man who was more determined and passionate and commitment. When he invited me to come down and speak at the Rotary Club, I said, "Why, if anything you ask me to do, Kenny, I'll do it. But man, this guy, Kenny Bonds, is off the chain. He and Tyrone Parker are two guys in in the kitchen. Three people I know who never stop. They're constantly in motion. They're constantly doing something to make this world or this town a better place. So believe me, it's really an honor to be at the Rotary Club and to be invited by you and Kenny Bonds and the members of the Rotary Club.
1: And I Mm -hmm. want to say
2: thank you again. It touched my heart and had me had tears in my eyes and I usually don't cry except after nine o'clock at night. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: You did, cry. <laughs> you, did you did shed a few tears in you. <laughs> well, let, let me let me let me tell you about Mr. Barnes. So um the reason why I'm actually at the Rotary Club I I started driving Mr Barnes to the Rotary Club fifteen years ago. To get, him wow. to, to get him to the meetings, he was losing his sight. And I said, I got you. I, you know, we both ran our non And I said, I got you. I'll take you, you know. And I ended up taking him every single week. And then I was invited to join uh, probably about three months later, you know, because I had been coming anyway and doing all the things. So uh, Mr. Barnes is a big reason why I actually joined the club.
2: Well, that's, that's something. I know I've been reading through your book. She, uh, Lisa Corn wrote a book called Being Too Fears about your life story. And, lady, as I told my wife, you are beautiful. You look like a model. When uh, nobody would ever tell me that you were a boxer, you don't have none of the baggage on your face or your ears. You don't look like you've been in a fight with nobody. with nobody. And you're yeah. beautiful. You look like a model. And when I heard you talk and explain this, and, and lady, we got a synergy. Uh, some people I just feel drawn to, and I feel drawn to you when I read part of your story about you and your four brothers that have been taken to Junior Village, which was an orphanage in Washington, D.C. And lady, at a young age, you were institutionalized. I was institutionalized. The pain that we talked about at our speech at the Rotary Club is similar to what you've been through. I yeah. know you're hurt. I know you pain. But if somebody look in your eyes, they can't tell it. But I could sense... Yes. in a voice and I such that you've been hurt lately, and you've been hurt deeply but, oh, yeah. but the beautiful part about it you bounce back you are a boxing champion not only in the ring but in the city and in this in, in this town
0: thank you thank you for that I appreciate
2: it <laughs> well, I don't think the question is uh, how, how long were you in junior village you said you went there with you and your four brothers you had bags and you uh, you didn't have no parents. You were locked up in an orphanage as a young girl. How was that yes. experience for you?
0: So, um, well, yeah. So going, living in Junior Village for me was a fleeting memory. I, because I, okay, so I actually was born at Freedman's Hospital. From Freedman's, I was literally taken from my mother's arms to St. Anne's. So it started day one. To Saint Anne's Infant Home. From Day there, one? Saint Anne's Did Infant you, Home.
2: Day one. You yeah. never bonded. You never bonded with your mother. Never.
0: And that's that. You got it. You got it. There was never a bond. You know. You understand that. So there yes. was literally never a bonding. Um, I went to Saint Anne's for a period of time. I guess a, a few months, and then back home to mother. There for a few months, and then to Junior Village with my four along with my older four brothers, and there from there started the journey. That was number two of the journey of placement. So it was Saint Anne's Junior Village, and then the first foster home.
2: Wow! And how were you treated during during this time period? Um,
0: Between I mean, just <laughs> I, the treatment was all had already begun. You know, as soon as they, as soon as you're taken from your mother or removed from her, the treatment is already done because a you're not getting the bonding, the nourishing love and attention that a mother is here to give that we give uh, that I've given my children, and so from. At Junior Village, there was four to a crib. Junior Village was overcrowded. It was built to house three hundred black children, okay, orphaned. It ended up housing nine hundred. So wow. So over- yes, the overcrowding was so severe that they had to build a tent city outside of the the, the ground, outside of the buildings, just to house. So um, the story that I get is uh, one of the social workers told me that she hated to drive there because it made it it look like a concentration camp. Wow.
1: And Ashley uh, Roach, and and yes, when I was in high school, we did volunteer work at Junior Village, and I will never forget those impressions um, as well. So my heart goes out um, to... Uh, Lisa with respect to having to um endure um growing up uh as part of that environment. Thank you. Thank you. That is that is wonderful. I I love talking to people who've actually been there. Yeah. I love, I, I, love,
0: yeah. I, love I, I love talking to people who've actually been there because I have no recollection because of course I was an infant.
1: Yeah. Wow. It was rough. Yeah, it was rough. You know,
2: it said that Junior Village was was the largest orphanage on the East Coast. It was built for 300-some people, but it was 900-some there and counting. Yeah. And we've heard yeah. all kinds of stories about Junior Village. When mm-hmm. I went, like I got locked up at eight. And I know the pain you went through, young lady, as uh being denied the right to be with your mother and to be institutionalized has a tremendous mm-hmm. mental impact on you that lasts forever. And when I looked in your eyes down at the Rotary Club, I could see and feel some of the pain behind your eyes. But beyond that, I saw the winner in you, lady. I saw the gleam oh, in your eye, knowing that you do not stop and your title for your book being too fierce. <laughs> Boy, I said that is a that's a fighter. You are too fierce. <laughs> <laughs> and you also the. Uh, so when did you come out of foster care or the uh, so, Junior Village?
0: So I actually, um, at 18 months, a uh, a couple came to Junior Village and saw me and said, you know, they, they were actually there looking for a kid. And they saw me and then wanted to take me. Well, the story was told to me by these particular foster parents that, you know, they were told that, oh, she has four brothers. And they said, well, we'll take them all. And they wow. took all of us. They took all of us in, and we lived with them for four years. And then um, things got a little sticky. Uh, they were very, very good foster parents, by the way. But when you have a mother who is mentally ill and influencing older bro- my older brother, it, it, it began the journey of, dripping a lot of what we had going on away. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. That, At what
1: point were you separated from the brothers? Or were
0: you? So the separation began after leaving that first foster home, being taken away. And we were literally, it was devastating for those foster parents, by the way, who had taken all of us to be taken yeah, away fine. from them. Um, they had moved us, Virginia, and we just had a wonderful life on their farm, and, uh, well, that's what I can remember, and we uh, ended up coming back here to D.C., and we started our visitations with our mother and stuff, had gone to the second foster home, and the second foster home is actually the reason I wrote that book. You know, I wrote, Freud says that the first five years of your life are the years that shape you. Those are the years that make you who you are. And I am so glad that I was with that first foster mother within those first five years, because I probably wouldn't even know what love is. Uh, that second foster mother was, it was like hell.
2: Wow. Like hell,
0: huh? Wow. It was wow. like hell. And what about your
2: brothers? Are y'all still close or together now, your four brothers?
0: So the first two brothers left. They were removed. We didn't. They didn't go with us to the second foster home. Um, so it was the three of us: myself, my brother that's a year older, and then the brother that's three years older. And we were together until the, the until the fourth foster home. After the fourth foster home, the the third brother left, and then there was just the two of us. Then the fifth foster home, it was just me. And so from wow. then on to through the rest of the journey,
2: it was just uh, myself. Are you in contact with your four brothers now? Or what's, what's the relationship like now with you yes. and your four brothers? Oh, yeah, And
0: also my mother. I know my mother and I know my four brothers. And, yeah, my, my brother, who is a year older than I am, we are the closest. We um, have the biggest bond. We were like each other's. Brother and sister, mother and father, we took care of each other through that journey until we got removed, um, you know, separated. And then I would just, I would just tell you this, broach. You know, I was about, I think I was about thirteen when that happened. And when I tell you, anger and despair, and my revenge list grew, I was ready to. <laughs> and I just thank God that I met a good woman who uh, led me down the right path because, I, you know, you never know what yes. you're going to do in your life, but you know, you don't even know how you're going to get people back. You just know, yes. oh,
2: you know. How did you, but I'm, how did you deal so with all well, that hurt and pain and loneliness, hopelessness? How did you deal with sports, it? Sports. Sports actually
0: helped me, you know. Um, I hated track, but you know what I did? I ran track. Wow. Because I ran track so I could stay out of that house. And I joined (laughs) softball. (laughs) Like, I joined the softball team. I didn't know how to play basketball, but I sure joined the basketball team. Like, any team, a marching band, anything that I could join, um, I did it. And, that you know, to be positive, I consider myself an artist. You know, I love art and creativity. Um, When rapping and all that stuff came out back in the... Early in the late 70s, I uh, said, so We me and my brother started rapping back then, you know, any and everything that we could we could delve into positive.
2: Okay, uh, we're gonna take a, a pitch. This is our fall, uh, fun drive, Nikichi. Uh, you want to handle this, Nikichi? Um, well,
1: okay, well. Uh, We know WPFW is in its um, fundraising drive, and we need you to support this radio station, because where else are we going to uh, get commentary like this? We have a native Washingtonian who is our guest, born in Friedman's Hospital, right in the core of Washington, D.C., who has risen from... I uh, foster our uh, child to become one of the greatest boxers ever. I'm, wait, wa- I'm waiting to hear that part of it, but you won't hear <laughs> this type of programming in other places. So we really need you to go on and pull out your phones and to call. All right, let's give that number: Roach 202. five eight eight
2: two o. I'm sorry, two o two five eight eight zero eight nine three. That's the call in number. The yeah, number actually, to make a donation is one. The- the All number right. is 1-800-222-9739. 1-800-222-9739. Pick up the phone and make a donation or a contribution to WPFWKF Crossroads. We can only come to you through your contributions and donations to keep us on the air. Mertine and Nikita and I, we've been on the air for 15 years. Uh, And we do the show strictly out out of volunteer because we want to get the word out or information out about things that would help you make a decision in your life. So the number to call is 1-800-222-9739. And please, you can make a cash app donation, dollar sign, WPFW. You can call into the station. Whatever you can do, please, we need your financial assistance. Stay on the line. Like I said, we've been on the air for 15 years. Uh, and we've been doing this show repeatedly. Uh, and all we did was bring you information that you can use. So, and there's please. not
1: a lot of um radio stations out there that talk about issues dealing with um the underserved, talking about the incarcerated, the formerly incarcerated prison issues, how folk can rise up from adversity to do great things. But that's what you get on WPFW, particularly Crossroads with uh Roach Brown. We're talking about someone who. Um, uh, it has lived the life, okay? And it's time to give back. Commercial, free radio programming. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about that. But now is the time to give back to the station that's given so, so very much to this community and to the the, the nation and the world.
2: You know, our guest this morning is Lisa Corn. She's the president of the D.C. Rotary Club. She's also a mother a sister, a wife, and believe me, when I saw you and we spoke down at the Rotary Club last week, I could sense your hurt, lady. I could see it. It seems though I, it's like, I call it painologists. You are a painologist. Mm-hmm. I knew even before you. I even read part of your book that mm-hmm. you've been through a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, lady. We can camouflage it and hide it, but for those who've been through it, you can see and feel and sense that synergy. And for the listening to Crossroad this morning, if you think my story was something, listen to Lisa's story. She'd been through the same thing as a young girl, institutionalized without her parents, going through all kinds of pain and hurting. And you said you had a list of a revenge list. I had mm-hmm. one too, late. I had people mm-hmm. I wanted to hurt. I wanted to get back <laughs> out. I wanted to bite the ears off. I wanted to mm-hmm. beat them with a baseball bat. But mm-hmm. you reach reaching a point where that don't make no sense. There's no sense of being mad, angry, or trying to hurt someone that does not get you a, a dime nothing you learn how what you just said when i asked the question how did you deal with the hurt you started playing sports you look for an alternative you look for something else that you can deposit all that pain and that hurt and you took it to mm-hmm. all that and how did you how did you get into boxing you wanted to be, you must really wanted to hurt yourself you get <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a boxer you help knock these turkeys out <laughs>
0: hey Rick. I wrote I was so tired of people trying me, man. <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> um I actually got into boxing. Well, you know, like I said, I got into uh sports and I it, I honestly I used to be called a tomboy and I didn't care about that. You know, I you know, I let people call me what they wanna call me. I, I, I used to love to sweat. I wanted to run and be free and just I didn't think that I was having fun unless I was sweating, you know. Yeah. And so, and so, when I was um, about sixteen, I met a guy who had got me into martial arts. He got me into kung fu, so I went to a martial arts studio right in 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 Chinatown. And that went that that carried me so far, like that like stayed with me. Um, I think the biggest part that I learned to do there is a meditative type of thing within that art. Well, in uh, I got into boxing. A, I'm a big, always been a big Muhammad Ali fan. And I thought I was the female version of him. <laughs> and so um, at age 27, I saw Christy Martin and Bethany Payne Boxing on television on a Mike Tyson undercard, and immediately, I just knew. I said, "That's what I'm supposed to do." And I, yep, I said, "That's what I'm supposed to do. That is what I'm supposed to do." I immediately started to look for a gym. I got rejected everywhere, but the one place I didn't why
2: they reject you at the
0: gyms. Cause I'm a woman. Cause I was a woman, you know, they, there was like, I called all these places. They did not call me back. I went in, you know, but I'll tell you this. I came down to 14th and W cause I got invited by a friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, and, and I came to 14th and W. To was that Midtown Academy? Midtown Youth Academy with Gene Hughes. That's and right. <laughs> immediately, immediately, Gene, if you know Gene, he saw... I know something.
2: Gene real well. He was a, he he's was quite one, a fighter.
0: Yeah, he's the one that gave me the name Two Fears. And he says, first of all, she'll get in here and fight anybody because there were only men in the gym, boys, boys and men. And they were trying to put me out of the gym, honestly. But um, it didn't matter to me. I, I got in the ring with all of them. And what ended up happening is that I became, instead of you know, someone that they were trying to push out of the gym, was I became their sister. And they said, "Girl, you are," a you
2: know. I was like, "You're not. You're not getting me." <laughs> so, and you was boxing. And you was boxing and sparring with the men. There was no other women in there to box or spar with. There were no
0: women. There was no girls. There was nobody but me and those guys who had been in that gym. And I and I came and said, "I'm gonna be a champion." What are you talking about? And they were like girl, I've been in here for 10 years, I've been already, you know, and I said, but I'm, I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, it was just, I, I, I looked at it as a goal, I gave myself. I said, I, I'm going to give it my all for five years straight, I'm going to do everything I can, and before that fifth year hit, I was being offered a world title, uh, a shot, and I took it, and it was on from there. Oh wow so did you, did you be-
1: have any role models um female or male role models in the realm of boxing? I'm just curious i did i
0: actually did have female role models the female role models that I had were actually an eighteen two i think it was a seventeen and eighteen year old girl just cut on in. girls that were uh fight- <clears throat> boxing up at and I didn't know anything about these this gym or anything, like they were up at Lincoln. They was It was in Lincoln High School, junior high, and they were boxing over there at Lincoln with the Peterson Boys and t- La-ta- no, Lakia Ko Koff- and Latasha. And when I tell you those girls could thump, I was watching them, and I was 20, I was 26 at the time, so I was like, "Oh my God, I got a way to go." So mm. it was it was really shocking to me. You know, we went to the first women's national championship together. And both of, that was my second fight ever. They had been fighting for a while. They won. But it just inspired me to keep going. When I came back, I went pro. And they were hanging in there to wait for the Olympics and such like that. And I just went on pro. And, and it just worked for me. Being pro worked. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, wow so roach let me ask you this um I know at um some of the big affairs you all have that's at the playground or at the rec center outside with the formerly incarcerated people there's always some big boxing matches out there you know what I'm talking about yeah and, you know, uh-huh. so are yeah. women involved with that or is I guess um familiar with that I'm just kind of curious how all this are you
2: familiar with kind of- that Lisa?
1: I remember, listen, first of all, I, have a, I, have,
0: I had a brother that was a lifetime member at Lorton, and um,
2: he... What, what was his name?
0: Mark. His name is Mark. Okay. And he's still here. Still, he's, his name is Mark Ponder. And, and can I tell you, my brother's name is Mark Ponder. And if you know the significance of that name, you when you know, you know. He um he is the boxer here in the city, but listen... My brother wasn't really into organized violence like I am. He he liked the alternative. Okay? So, uh he was one. He's, my brother's in jail right now and he was one of the what we call the insurrectionists. He was down there and so he was that young man that y'all saw that was the only black man that was down there doing what he was doing.
2: Remember hey it's January the 6th the insurrection at the Capitol? That's what I'm talking about. Oh wow. so how much time brother. did he get That's
0: my brother. He got he got more time than anybody.
2: Oh uh-huh. wow, how much did he get?
0: 7 years.
2: Oh wow. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I'll put it like this when it was announced then cuz he was it was on CNN and everything and just look him up Mark Ponder, you'll see that is my brother. Um okay. that's my third brother and he was the he's he's in my book. He was the one that was in junior village at the time and he was going through some hard stuff at the time. So like you said, like the, the, the path that you went on where the institutionalization just went on and on for him, he was the one in my family that just, you know, stayed in and out of jail through throughout.
2: You know, it, it, this is a uh, interesting in the term, uh, And I don't even know what to say. The bottom line is this. I keep saying the bottom line. I don't even know what the top line is. You know what I mean? It's just something to say. (laughs) Uh, Lisa, you've been working with um, the Rotary Club. And like I said, the Rotary Club has an international reputation. I did some research and it said there's 35,000 clubs and over a million members worldwide. And you do a lot of humanitarian work. And the speech we gave the other day down at the Rotary Club, we were asking for members to participate. Because of what's going on in America right now with the carjackings, the overdose deaths with fentanyl, uh, the violence, the retail theft, the killings, there's something that we all can do. And we made a, a, a appeal to the members of the Rotary Club that please, we need your help, your support. This is all of our cities. It ain't got nothing to do with being Republican or Democrat or black or white. We're all human beings and we need help and everybody need to live in a safe, Wholesome environment where you can walk out the door with you and your kids and not be threatened or hurt. So I'm extended again to you and to the members of uh, the Rotary Club who are listening. Please, we meet every week uh a group, several groups called Crews, the Alliance of Concerned Men, One Flag. These are organizations that are trying to do whatever they can to stop this killing because this is our home. And we got and and you with the membership at the Rotary Club, with your support from the members, we can do something to impact and make our city safe again for all of us. And that's what our objective is. And I want to make sure that when you came on this morning, we wanted to share that. And I know that you are committed. You started a nonprofit. You got two sons. You got a son and a daughter and a husband. you got a tr- You got a tremendous family. How old are How old is your son and daughter? And where are they at now? <laughs> well um ironically the week before you came my son had
0: just gotten back from kuwait he is um my son works for the state department his name is gerald foster actually captain gerald foster and he, hey, well, congratulations he, he's, a pil- <laughs> he's a pilot he's a pilot he's a he's a pilot he flies the chinook and when i tell you hey listen you said you can send when there is some um, pain behind, you know, a person's eyes and everything, yes. let me. T- I've I've been walking around, you know. I, family is everything to me. For the past year, I've been walking around with this uh, emptiness because my son was away, and I just just held it together, even just with my role at Rotary. And when I tell you the difficulty <laughs> that. That was difficult, but when he got home, I've just about um, and he and he surprised me too. He was uh, he his uh, fiance came and knocked on my door, and I was like, "Well, wow, what is she doing? Bringing the dog over? What's going on?" And I opened the door, and my son was standing there, and I about died, and I was just so happy. So my son, <laughs> my son uh, is a, is a in the in the army, uh, National Guard actually. He works for the State Department as a as an intel person, but my daughter is a teacher, social worker, and she is 30 years old, and she works, uh, you know, in the same field as I do. She, she has a real soft spot in her heart for youth, so she wants to work with young people and, you know, help them. She likes the little ones. Beautiful.
1: So, Beautiful. Lisa and Roach, let me just say, um, I, I loved hearing that your daughter has a... Sp- Soft spot in her heart for you, uh, what your son is doing, and I just want folks to remember that this radio station needs support so we can hear the stories like this. Yes. We have five hundred. Oh my God! Someone just donated. I think yes, uh, from Yes, Fairfax. we just got a donation. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out which one is for um crossroads, but we just got a donation. Um, so we we now have four hundred dollars to go. So thank you. Um. I
2: don't know if Jerry's there. Who can see who just donated. Come on, Jerry. Come on in, in Jerry.
0: Okay, here I am. So, Roach, you're getting a compliment. Uh, Timothy says, you are an exemplary human being. Who said that? This is from Timothy from Fairfax. He just donated to the show, and he says, you are an exemplary human being. It is tremendous what you are doing with your life. Keep up the good work thank you timothy thank you roach and we should be ringing that bell because
2: you know this you is know, feedback thank you timothy you know the works. warden told him to say that uh, uh jerry <laughs> <laughs> the warden told him to say that i understand when them guys come in like that i'm kind of compliments thank you i appreciate it but the warden told him to say that uh we are doing no more it. than what everybody else is doing we need, we your need a lot
1: more people like timothy from fairfax to go on and donate you know we need to bring these numbers up thank you so very much for that donation uh timothy but you know vote brown has just been a star walk a tree, a tree in this community. I'm saying a tree because I know the Rotary um, uh, Club with our guest Lisa has it, it has honored him with the planting of a tree in his honor. But this tree needs to be planted, okay? Mm. And it needs to be seeded. And you can do that through donating through this radio station that this tree that is Roach Brown uh, has been a starwalk on for the past. Has it been 15 years, Roach? She said.
2: It's been 15 years and counting, and we don't, it don't make no difference. We don't know nothing else to do, Nikita. We just keep doing. Just like you. Every time we turn around and we call you, Nikita, you in Brazil. You in Africa. You over there. You doing this. You yeah, but I'm at again.
1: WPFW I'm at FN, Pacifica Radio as well. <laughs> hey, always gotta come back home to this radio station. I know this radio station is home to a lot of people. Um, as so well, show your love. This is Black Love Day. The day before Valentine's Day. Black Love Day, by, instituted by Sister Ayo um, um, uh, Kendi. Black love, show your love, show your black love, show your red, black, and green love, show your white love, show all the colors of the rainbow love for our radio station WPFW so we can keep on with this program. Go on back to you, Roach. And a number to call. 202 588 9739. 202 588 9739. Pick up those phones and call in your, your pledges now.
2: And thank you. You know, the teacher, the other day, we were stopped at the Chili Bowl and the people from the Netherlands, uh, Dutch, was filming Miss Miss Ali at the Chili Bowl. And we were called down and uh, they included us in the interview with Miss Ali. And the thing was that uh, they wanted to talk about people who've been known over 60 years and there's only a few of us still living. And that Mm. lady, Miss Virginia Ali, is the queen upon queens.
1: Mm. I mean, man...
2: She is quite a lady. And we enjoyed the honor of meeting these gentlemen from the Netherlands and, uh, and doing this piece for Miss Ali. But the bottom line to that piece is she is an angel. That lady there has been, I told a story about my brother Rabbit. And they passed the word out that, you know, Vince Chili Bowl was the only establishment on U Street that we know of that has never been robbed. The word went out in the community that don't bother the Chili Bowl, leave it alone. And my brother Rabbit, who's no longer with us, was one of them guys that put the word out that if you went in that chili bowl and you start some Jiggy Boogie, you're going to get some Jiggy Boogie if you go in there. So this lady is known all around the world. And to Miss Virginia Harley, lady, I love you. Thank you for being my friend, mother, partner, buddy, and most of all, a special angel. Thank you, Miss Harley. the number to call for make a donation is 1-800-222-9739 or 202-588-9739. We need your help to keep us on the air. And this young lady, Lisa B. Cole. Lisa, you haven't talked about your husband. You've been married. You got a son, a daughter. You got four other brothers. And you went through holy hell. You. When I saw you at the Rotary club, you got you found your inner voice, Lisa. You're in touch <laughs> with your you. inner voice, lady. And I can feel it and sense it. And that hurt brings that out. And I call it painologists. You are like us. We are painologists. You go through so much pain that it just turns you into another human being. And if you can find something to take your attention, you took sports and boxing. We took movies and plays and drama. There's Mm -hmm. always out. I don't care how bad the situation is, how dark the night is, the sun always shines in the morning. And lady. You are a motivation and inspiration, and I'd like to invite you to come to speak to some of the young ladies because I know they've abandoned or stopped all orphanages in America, but they're called group mm-hmm. homes now, or foster home, and there's, a, mm-hmm. there's millions of kids that being treated unkindly in these mm-hmm. places. So, folks, mm-hmm. whatever we could do. Go ahead, yeah. Lisa. You want to say something?
0: No, I, I'm I'm right with you. I thank you for saying it. And listen, it, it's different when it comes from others. When it comes from me, it's just like, you know, well, you know, she's an advocate for false youth, but when it comes from others who are out there that see it like you, I mean, it, it just, yeah, it, it gets under my skin. It gets under my skin. And and, and and I get, I get a lot of backlash because, first of all, I'm not afraid of anything zero hey there's hey nothing, hey! come on with it. nothing that anybody can do to me or say to me that's gonna you know being being without fear really scares a lot of people for other for, yes. for people it scares them that what do you mean you're not afraid of anything it, it, it's scary to them but listen I, i'm always on this thing what is the worst that can happen I don't think that's is that bad for real. <laughs> I don't think that's is that bad when you're trying to make a point to uh, change things.
2: You so, know, when you go you to the to bottom fairly. of the deck, when you when you go to the bottom of the deck and you experience pain the way you did but you, you and your four brothers and you, you were taken from your mother and you'd be institutionalized. Lady, that takes you to the room beneath the basement. The basement is yeah. the lowest place in the house but there's a room beneath the basement where the pain never ends. And later you've been there to that basement and you came out. And I want to say that you are inspiration. You can motivate so many other people. And I'm glad to see you with the Rotary Club because when I saw them looking at you and supporting you later, they respect you. They love you and they will follow your lead. You got people who can do something. You and the Rotary Club can make a difference in making this city safe well we're
0: us. with you we're with you mr brown and uh, like i said one of my goals because uh, uh, you know becoming the president of the rotary club was to get in our community when people hear about rotary they're like well what is rotary because they've never heard of it it's like a secret yes. society and the truth is, is that it is not a secret society it is, a, it is a, it's an organization that's really out here to help now why don't we keep this help in our community. That's what our Rotary Club is here to do. So um, I'm with you and I'm happy to go and to any meeting that you say, hey, Miss Lisa, will you show up here? Will you, I will be there.
2: I promise you You know, we got to coming to our club. You know, I already shared this information. We'd like to invite you to our weekly Wednesday night meetings. We meet almost three, four times a week, various groups and organizations trying to collaborate and coordinate. Everybody's effort to see what we could do to stop some of the retail thefts, to stop yeah. the uh the uh, carjackings, the fentanyl overdose deaths. We got a yeah. big agenda. But but yeah. not on that, everybody at the rotary club got a big heart. And your heart is big as all outdoors, Lisa. So I know Lisa. that we're gonna do something with Kenny Barnes and Kamal Ali and them folks working with us. We Thank can do you. some people. This is our city and the Rotary Club. I'm looking for y'all to take step up and take the leadership because we can you can do a lot to save a lot of lives. And it's not about black, white, or Republican or Democrat. It's about human being to human being, do what we can. And there's an old saying that we all have a past. We all have made choices that maybe weren't the best ones. None Mm -hmm. of us are completely innocent, Mm -hmm. but we all get a fresh start every day to be a better person than we were yesterday. Keep on keeping on, Lisa P. Cohen. We need you, lady. (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you you got me there. hey listen and and martin thank you so much i think you are a gift like to have a, you know i have a, a spouse sitting over here and he's he's a he's a great guy actually how you doing spouse you know. <laughs> well he's not in the room but he, <laughs> he's, a, he's in the other room and and this is it i gotta write my next book because my next book is gonna even be even better my 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 husband is thirty one years my senior and he is a Jewish man and uh-huh. when I tell you on paper it would not work but in real life it has worked and it's like when you have an understanding of what you're about and who you yeah. are then things can work out. So there you go. we've been together for twenty years
2: and Thank we you. still beautiful all- beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, we want to thank you for joining us this morning, Lisa P. Coin, One yeah. Woman's Incredible Journey from Foster Child to World Championship Boxer, and the president of the Rotary Club of Washington, D.C. And a book is called Being Too Feared, Fierce. Boy, yeah. it is a powerful book. You need to check it out. And we we set them new books on our show, because I like to read them before we have to get some. But I we can't read all the books we get in there. so it's just yeah. this is a special case having Miss Lisa P. on and thank you for inviting us at the Rotary Club. And to all the Rotary members who are listening, thank you. We need you. We appreciate you. And we're looking for you all to see what what we could do to work together to make our city our city again. Uh, And
1: thank you for planting the tree in Rochelle's honor. It's, It's amazing. We look forward to that celebration.
2: Usually, I Thank thought people you. gave me gave, They gave me some gold handcuffs, but I, I'll take the tree. I won't take the handcuffs. <laughs> I'll take the tree. I'll take right. the tree. And Mr. <laughs> Thank Mr. you, Brown, and can you I, taifa for joining. Huh?
0: Mr. Brown, can I give my email address in case a yes. person might want to buy a book or something like that?
2: Yes. So, my, yeah. my
0: email address is Lisa C. Lisa, like C. and Cohen, dot DC Rotary at gmail.com. Lisa C. Dot at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Mr. Brown, for having me on. And thank, you. thank
2: you. Thank you for thank you doing for you. what you're doing because all the pain and stuff you went through happened for a reason later to get you where you are right now. And yes. we always say you, you can take an onion and make a pineapple. You took an onion and made a watermelon. <laughs> Keep on keeping on, Lisa. <laughs> we need, we need and, and, you.
0: And, Mr., Mr. let me, Um, I'm going to, I just want to make sure you can, we can cash out or. Can you give me the cash-up again?
2: Or yeah. the phone Dollar sign for the sign. How much, you been, what, you can donate $5,000? Right. Okay, yeah.
1: Don't One pay million. me, no Don't a pay me no <laughs> Thank you. And, actually, we have another donation, too. Thank you, Lisa, for your donation. But we have an anonymous donation also. Just thank them by Macmillan Silver Spring.
2: Thank you. In. Thank yeah. you, Macmillan and Silver Spring. And people, you can still make a donation. Uh, the money doesn't come to Martina and I it comes to keep <laughs> the station on the air. So you don't have to worry about going in my pockets. I don't need it. I need it, but I don't we we don't get it. Uh, thank you for listening to our show. And this has been Crossroads. We come to you every Tuesday. We had a fantastic guest. Miss Lisa P. Cohen. thank you, Lisa, for all that you are doing and we'll continue to do. And we're looking forward to working with you and Kenny Bonds and Kamal and, and them guys to see what we can do to make our city safe for all of us. That's what our goal is. Until the next time, this is Roach Brown and Mertine. Remember, your inner voice is never wrong. Merry Christmas. Thank you.
0: announcement. Home Rule Music Festival in partnership with WPFW presents an electrifying evening of music, culture, and community. Join us on Friday, February 23rd at Songbird Music House for the Home Rule Music Festival launch party and concert. Doors open at 7 p.m. Event starts at 8 p.m. Songbird is located at 540 Penn Street, Northeast Washington, D.C. Special performances by the legendary Plunky from One of Juju and the dynamic Brandon Woodie's Up do Plus, don't miss the exclusive screening of the captivating Fire documentary. Tickets are available at songbirddc.com. That's S-O-N-G-B-Y-R-D-D-C.com. CD Enterprises presents Grammy Award-winning jazz singer and songwriter Gregory Porter live in concert February 25th at the theater at MGM National Harbor tickets are available now at mgmnationalharbor.com don't miss this generation's most influential jazz sensation Gregory Porter live WPFW